Hello, everybody. My name is Brittany Chalk, and you're listening to A Dancer's Guide. On this episode of A Dancer's Guide, we're breaking down some of our featured guests' impressive credits and social endeavors. We'll also jump into the important topics of survival jobs and networking. Our guest is currently on the North American Aladdin National Tour, was formerly a Radio City Rocket, and is also a member of the Actors' Equity Association. I'm thrilled to introduce Carissa Fiorillo. Hi, Carissa. So happy to have you here today, and thank you for joining me in this conversation. Thank you for having me, Brittany. I'm, I'm so excited to start this conversation with you. Thank you for having me on an, a dancer's guide. Of course, absolutely. Well, why don't you start off by introducing yourself a little bit? Yes. Um, my name is Carissa Fiorello. I grew up in the Tampa Bay area in Florida. I started dancing at the age of three. My mother was completely obsessed with me. Um, The rule was you had to be potty trained to join at my local dance studio. So she was like, we are getting you potty trained as soon as possible. Um, And then I, I started in tap jazz and ballet and I, I was hooked of course, like, like every professional dancer, you're hooked at such a young age. My my dance studio really focused on musical theater. My dance teacher had performed on Broadway and moved back to Florida to educate young dancers. We were dancing in heels. We were putting on full like production um, performances like three to four times a year, like included with rehearsal. And um, we would do like a a big production show for Equity Fights AIDS. And we would raise money for this this organization that that was my first time being exposed to it. So I never really did competition dancing. He really groomed us to move to New York to become successful in musical theater, which was amazing for me. Uh, after I graduated high school, I moved to New York City at the ripe age of 18 years old. And I attended the American Musical and Dramatic Academy for musical theater, which I was like, musical theater. I want to be a dance major. I want to go to Amda for dance. I auditioned for Casey Colgan, the amazing Casey Colgan, who told me, honey, you know how to dance. You need to learn how to sing and act if you want to make it in this industry. And that's something I had not done in my, in my earlier training. So I was like, yeah, that feels right. He knows what he's talking about. Let's do it. And it was the best decision I ever made to focus a little bit more on singing and yeah, now New York City is, is my home base. I live there with my amazing fiance and I've been a professional dancer for just about 10 years now. Yeah, yeah. And the funny thing is, is we grew up, what, 45 minutes <laughs> up, away from each other and we had no clue. We didn't know each other until we both moved to New York when we were 18. Wow, that's amazing. I know. Yeah, crazy. Because um, we had met, I'm sure, at an audition or maybe at Broadway Dance Center and we had we had just been talking and and realized oh we're kind of from the same area and that's that's so great to to know that someone had come from like the small town that you had come from and like you could have an ally in in that world yeah that's so amazing Florida girls right (laughs) (laughs) definitely well a big part of these podcasts is sharing uh, professionals experiences so would you mind sharing a bit of your unique dance journey yes I love unique dance journey that's that's such an important word because we all have such different journeys and it's so cool to create your own it's that's so amazing Um, I first started as a Radio City Rocket that was my first big job and a 
complete and absolute dream come true. After Radio City, I moved on to the Guys and Dolls national tour, um, stepping foot into like professional musical theater world where I was the dance captain, the internal swing for the males and the females and the ensemble, which is very classic, like non-equity tour life, bus and truck one-nighters. And that's where I met my fiance which is, is so perfect. I, I loved that, that credit for so many reasons. Uh, I moved on to the Bullets Over Broadway first national tour after that with Susan Stroman and Jeff Whiting and a, an incredible creative team that really changed my life in like the dancing world. After that, I was lucky enough to be part of the original uh, cast of Broadway Christmas Wonderland in um, Tokyo, Japan at the Theater Orb. So cool to, to bring um, a show to a different audience. I had never performed internationally before, which was really beautiful. After that, I did the national commercial for Zips Dry Cleaning, which was really cool. Um, a, a first for me in commercial dance. After that, Saturday Night Live with Jimmy Fallon. Everyone was really excited about that one, just to like see me on TV. My brothers were really excited about that. Um, I got to revisit Bullets Over Broadway in Ogunquit, Maine at the Ogunquit Playhouse. Um, it was really nice to revisit a show that I had already done, just to kind of like give it one last go around. After that, I was a part of the New York Fashion Week with the Desigual Fashion Show. The first time I had done anything like that before. Really eye-opening and fun. I did Full Frontal with Samantha B, um, which was actually Emmy nominated. It was a episode um, about Puerto Rico right after they had the devastating hurricane. Um, and we were some fierce Puerto Rican dancers on the show. I did the producers at the Argyle Theater um, last spring in Long Island, uh, which is my first equity gig. So exciting. And now I'm currently on the Aladdin North American tour. Yeah. That's that's where I'm at right now. Yeah, a long, long, long list all over the world. <laughs> uh, you've done so many things, just incredible. And staying on the topic of your your dance journey, you know, you saying that your first job was as a Radio City Rocket. Was that something growing up that you aspired to be, or was that something that you kind of moved to New York and thought, oh, I I really want to try this out? Was it something you knew about beforehand, or kind of got into later? Uh, I 100 percent wanted to be a Radio City Rocket from like the time that I could remember. I think the first moment that like it clicked that I could remember like as a as a like teen was in middle school. My mom took me to New York and we saw the Rockettes and I was like, they're so tall and strong and beautiful and I could be that one day. So I convinced her somehow to allow me to attend the Rocket Summer Intensives all throughout high school which really honed in on my training for the precision style. Um, I, after college, I, I kept auditioning twice a year, like they do. And on my 22nd birthday, I booked the contract as a Radio City Rocket, which was the craziest day of my life on my birthday, my dream coming true. Um, it was really, really wonderful. I, I do want to touch base though on, um, I did have my dream come true and then Every year you have to re-audition for your job. And this is probably like, I'm just being able to talk about this now, but um, I didn't get my job back. You know, after having my dream come true, I did not know what to do with myself because I, I didn't get it back. So it was really tough after that to have, like I said, like have your dream come true and then not 
accomplish that goal yet again. It was a really big um, downfall and like depressing time in my life. Yeah, I'm, I think as dancers in our whole industry, rejection is inevitable. And yeah, I, I know that it's taken a long time to, for you to kind of be okay with, with that. Um, and to, to think about everything that you've just listed in your unique journey. Yeah. I don't know, maybe you weren't supposed to get that second contract because obviously you met your husband on the Guys and Dolls. So everything happens for a reason. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I wouldn't beat yourself up on that. I'm, I'm just, thank you so much for saying that. I'm just now realizing that. And it's taken a while, but I know that a lot of young dancers kind of go through through that struggle, especially if you're on the Rocket Path, because it's such a a different world and the journey for everyone is so different and individual. And like you said, we're, it's, we're on our, our unique journeys and everything happens for a reason. Yes, absolutely. Well, bring a little positive spin back on this. <laughs> um, can you elaborate a bit on what that contract entailed, where you toured, um, everything about it? Yeah. Yeah. So I was a part of the touring production of the Radio City Rockets. We went to Atlanta, West Palm Beach, and Tampa, Florida, my hometown. It was my first um ex like I was my first time exposed to a union or like a, a contract within a union. Um AGVA is the union um the Rockets work under. So there's a lot of rules on how you're supposed to be treated and you can only wear your toy soldiers hat for an hour at a time and then you need a break. So we were really protected and we were treated kind of like rock stars, which is why the gig is so amazing. Um, you rehearse uh, six hours a day, six days a week when you're in rehearsal, pretty rigorous. And then on after rehearsal, of course, you're going home and you're rehearsing everything with your friends. And uh, the rehearsal process, I think, is maybe three weeks and then you move on to tech tech is you know a good 10 to 12 um schedule and then once the show opens you can do up to four shows a day and you do up to 300 kicks within that one show so on a four show day you're doing 1200 kicks you've got about 45 minutes in between shows to kind of eat a little something stretch out your body and get ready to go for the next one it was the hardest thing i ever done in my life. Yeah, but I'm sure. It was wild and amazing and beautiful and so fulfilling. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm sure that's why they have to take care of their performers so well is because you guys do so much. I mean, you said 1,200 kicks in one day, possibly. Insane. <laughs> Those hamstrings got to be, woo. All right. At, at some point, you're like, I don't need to stretch anymore. My <laughs> hamstrings are so warmed up. I don't even have to do it. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh and I understand they don't do the tour anymore do they they don't they don't oh I know it was such a beautiful thing that like they were bringing the rockets to everyone instead of everyone having to travel to New York I mean do you think they'll ever bring the tour back I really really hope so there's there's a lot of rumors that it will come back and I really hope they do like you said because some a lot of places in the world don't know what the Rockettes are because they don't have the means to go to New York or, uh, you know, sometimes to even watch the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, they don't know what they are. So that was probably the coolest part is exposing audiences to the pure Christmas magic that that show brings. I really hope they bring it back. And then more young dancers or more dancers in general can be part of the production. Yeah, definitely. Well, 
I auditioned for the Rockettes once and only once. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It was pretty early on in my career um, because, yeah, I knew of them growing up my whole life. And I was like, hey, what the heck? I'm tall. Let's give it a shot. Um, You know, really just open to any avenue at that point and quickly realized that it was just not for me. Um, I very much enjoyed watching them more so than the precision. And it was not something that I had ever really trained for prior to that um yeah it was just one of those moments where I was like nope not for me um I knew it like so instantly you know and I feel like I experienced a lot of those gut moments gut feelings a lot in my career actually and where I was actually supposed to be or not meant to be um and it helped shape my ultimate journey have you ever had any of those kind of complete moments of certainty. Yeah. One, the one that sticks out to me the most that I, that I like to talk about often is after I didn't get my job back with the Rockettes and I, it took like three months of just like crying and being sad and upset. And I was home. My mom was trying to cheer me up and I was in the pool and I saw a breakdown for the guys and dolls national tour. And I find myself a very confident person. And for some reason, I remember I was looking at my mom and I was like, mom, I'm going in for this and I'm going to book it and I'm going to do this. And I just know that this is what's going to happen. There was something like in my gut that was like, go to this audition, kill it. And you're going to book it, which is so weird. I talk to my fiance about this often because that is where we met. And I, I, I felt like there was like some sort of energy calling me towards it to shift back into musical theater, what my training was. And like, ultimately meet the love of my life and my fiance yeah that was just one in particular yeah the world works in in mysterious ways the same thing happened to me I was offered I was actually offered another contract on Carnival Cruise Lines and then I turned it down even though I was like it was still pretty early on in my career and I was you know someone that was like yeah I want to keep working and working and for some reason I was like no I can't do another contract and literally within two weeks of going back to New York and auditioning I got the ship that I met my husband on. So, yeah, it's stuff like that. I have it's the just chills. Nuts. Yeah, oh. I know. Um, it's weird. <laughs> Anyways, you're on the Aladdin National Tour, um, North American National Tour right now. Where are you currently? I'm currently in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. We are finishing out the weekend here. We have um, a sit down is what we call it on tour life for about two weeks. This tour in particular it's called a production contract, which is the best contract you can have as a musical theater performer. Um, it's the highest paying as well as they have a lot of rules about how long you can have a sit down for. It can't be less than two weeks. Um, when the show first started, they were in Chicago for six months. It's really wonderful to kind of experience cities for more than just like a one nighter kind of where I started on Guys and Dolls National Tour. What is a sit-down? <laughs> a sit-down is where the show kind of holds like residency, like a short residency in a theater for more than one night, like one week, gotcha. two weeks. That That's like the lingo that we call it, sit-down. Funny word, right? Funny term. Yeah, I had <laughs> never I had never heard of that. Funny. Um Can you just tell me what this whole journey has been like for you from the audition to getting the call that you booked this show into rehearsals and now on tour? Yes, uh, my Aladdin journey has been emotional for sure. Um, I started auditioning uh, when the show started in 2011. 
I would go to the equity course call all of the time at the time of the, like the inception of the musical, I was non-equity. And for some reason, not a lot of people went to the Aladdin call, I think, because it was very specific in type. Um, and I thought at the time I had fit the type. So I was like, I'm going to this audition. I would wait around until they saw all the equity members and then they would call the non-equity members in. I would always be typed in based on how I looked, which I'm lucky enough to have fit that type. I would dance the, I think it was like two or three rounds of dancing that they had. And then it was time to sing. My biggest struggle in life is singing. Um, and I think that was a big downfall in not booking it sooner. So I was going in for Broadway and all of that. They announced that they would be launching a North American tour about two and a half years ago. And I said, yes, Carissa, this is it. You're going to book it. You're going to be a part of the touring production. I, I would talk about it all the time. Well, I didn't book it right away. I was so upset um, that I kept going in and I kept not giving up because I, again, something was calling me towards the show. I knew that I was right for it. Um, they would call me often and give me like availability calls, which is um, the casting directors calling and saying, are you available? We have someone who's leaving or someone who's injured we might need you to start on this date. Are you available? That happened quite a few times. And I got really, really excited about it. And then it ultimately didn't um, happen until late July, they called and they're like, hey, Krissa, are you available? And I was like, yeah, I'm available, whatever. I'm gonna keep myself busy. I'm gonna go to dance class. I'm gonna go to auditions because I, I can't simply get upset about Aladdin one more time. And then on August 2nd, I was walking home from my voice lesson on 96th Street. I was walking from the subway and my agent called and they were like, guess what? You booked it. Immediately, I called my fiance. I was like, get home. They need me to leave in three days to join the tour in Washington, D.C. at the prestigious Kennedy Center. Another one of those crazy days because my fiance got an offer for a Royal Caribbean cruise ship going to Shanghai, China on the exact same day. And we were both leaving on Monday. So we had to pack up our lives and find a sublet and say goodbye to each other. It was wild. Oh my it was gosh. so, so, so wild. That, that sounds wild. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it just sounds like you definitely wanted to be a part of the show for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. And then went in multiple auditions. But that's amazing to, to see that growth of, all right, I need to work on my singing. That's what's holding me back from getting this and, and identifying that and doing something about it to then being able to actually book the job that you wanted to do. So kudos on that. Thanks, girl. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, so you've done four national tours. Is that right? Um, Guys and Dolls. Rockets. Rockets. Yeah. Yeah. Aladdin. Four. This is your fourth one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Would you say you enjoy tour life? Yeah, I, I enjoy tour life a lot. It, it allows you to experience, like, I don't think I ever would have come to Fort Lauderdale, Florida for two weeks to like chill on the beach. I would be in New York. I'd be auditioning. I'd be working out. I'd be having my life there. So it definitely allows me to experience the country in a way that I never would have, um, and bring the show to audiences. That's probably the most important thing to me is the kids who wouldn't be able to go to New York and see Aladdin, but on the same like on the, on a different end, it's really, really difficult. I'm currently on a 14 hour time difference with my fiance and it just adds to 
being away from your family and being away from your friends and missing the holidays. Um, it's beautiful, but it's really hard. It's, it's lonely at times and yeah, it's challenging, Yeah, but I don't think it's, I don't think it's ever going to go away because even one day when I book Broadway or my fiance books Broadway, like that Broadway show might close and then they're going to go on tour and you're going to go on tour because it's a job, you know? So I, I don't ever want to close myself off to not doing tours because they're far away from your loved ones. Yeah, definitely. And, and I think it's such a beautiful thing of bringing these shows all across the States. I know there are international tours and just bringing performing arts, dance, singing, acting to people all over the world is, you know, is why I love doing it. Um, yeah. So a perk of the job, definitely. Can you kind of humor me? Give me a week in the life of a tour performer. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I love this. <laughs> a week in the life of a tour performer. So we um, are going to move from one city to the next on a Monday. So the whole entire cast is either on a bus, um, if it's a short distance, or we're all getting on an airplane together, moving to the next place. You arrive to your Airbnb or your hotel at night. Um, I like to go to the food store and get all of my food for the week. Um, and on this contract, Aladdin in particular, we have to have um, a day off in between our travel day and um, our day of performances, which is amazing. It helps heal your body and do what you need to. Uh, when we arrive to a new theater for our new sit down, we have a full rehearsal. It'll start at 12 noon and go till about 5 p.m. That helps you connect with your dressers, with the locals handing you the props, with your locals who are doing your wigs. Um, and this show in particular has a lot of quick changes. So it helps the locals rehearse their tracks because they're essential in the backstage choreography. Then we'll have a first preview that night. We'll have like a couple hours off on that Wednesday. Um, we'll have our first preview that night. We'll always have two shows on the first Thursday because we're contracted to do eight shows a week. And then we'll do one show Friday, two Saturday, two Sunday. And most of the time in that first week that you're in a city, it's a lot of being at the theater. And then hopefully if you're there for more than one week, you can go and explore some local restaurants or some local fitness classes, which is really cool to kind of see different parts of the world and what they do fitness-wise. And especially for Fort Lauderdale right now, I'm enjoying soaking up the sun while my friends are in New York freezing. <laughs> yep, that is a bonus, definitely. It's just kind of like a like a reset button in every city. You kind of have to prep, your, like you said, the local team, um, and, and you guys are vital in helping them prep that yeah, and I guess going back to what you said about being away from loved ones on, on a tour, it's just that's the nature of our industry. A lot of the times um, we love it so much, yet it pulls us apart from the people and things that we love. But luckily enough, you were in Tampa over the holidays, so you were able to actually spend that time with your family. I mean, best of both worlds, really just perfect timing for you. How was that being home? Perfect, perfect timing. And I was lucky enough to do it with Rockettes. I was home in Tampa, Florida with Rockettes for Christmas. And then again, another dream come true being in Tampa, Florida for Christmas and New Year's. It was wild. People came <laughs> out of the woodwork, like coming to see my show and, and seeing, you know, the senior girls that I grew up dancing with and I looked up to so much coming to see the show. It was a dream come true that I didn't even know like was a dream that was attainable 
And my mom was cooking me dinner every night. You know, she was driving me to the theater. It was amazing. It was overwhelming. It was overwhelming with love. I'm still like coming down from it slightly because it was a lot, but I have, oh my goodness. I don't know if I'll ever experience that again, having my nephews in the audience and my grandpa, like they were all there at the same time. It was amazing to also see the young dancers at the stage door who looked up to you. And I was like, wait, I was you. Like, this is possible. It can happen. Absolutely. Yep, it can. Something I, we're going to probably get to a little later in the episode um, is support within the industry. And it was, it's so, I'm so glad to hear that people that you looked up to were coming to now support you. And it's just, Mm -hmm. yeah, this beautiful cycle that I think, and I hope that performers can continue um, doing for each other because I think it's vital to, to support artists. Yeah. Well, moving along, I see that you've been posting some very open and honest uh, content on social media recently. And I think it's just a beautiful thing that you want to invite people to have these conversations with you. And I thank you for really showing the bad and the good because, you know, that vulnerability is something many people can relate to. You know, have you had any response to those messages? Well, thank you for taking the time to to read them and, and listen to my story because I think that that's really important. When you share your story, it, you also need to thank people for, for listening. Um, I've gotten a lot of um, open and honest feedback. I've also gotten some like weird feedback because there's kind of some trolls on the internet, but like that's fine. The positive is better than the negative. Um, the, the best part for me was in Tampa, Florida, I would get all of the Instagram messages of dancers being like, I look up to you. I want to do exactly what you're doing. Where do I start? And that's such a loaded question for me because I want to tell you all of the things on where to start. They would ask me simple questions like, how do I find auditions or how do I do my resume? And I found myself being like, send me an email, starting the email conversation with them and like guiding them because I wanted something like that when I was younger. Not, not excessive to like the point of where like they're texting me every day, but just like a small little push in the right direction of like, no, this is not how your resume should be formatted. No one has told you this yet. Let me tell you, just like how your podcast is, is helping young dancers and, and shedding some light on some really important, um, lifestyle things we do as performers. Yeah, definitely. We need to team up. Yes, girl. <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, we could rule the world. Really. Um, no, that's so great. I'm glad that you've been getting some responses from people and that they're they're wanting to connect with you. So that that's fantastic. Um, you know, with these posts, I think it provides a lot of encouragement to to young performers and you know people of all sorts. And in terms of our industry, this goes into the support. You know, how do you think we can move forward spreading this sort of encouragement and support for each other? You know. I think the biggest, like you said, the biggest thing is support. And I think that comes from confidence within myself, like to the max. I know I'm amazing. I know I've worked on my craft. I know I'm fully confident in myself. So I have the courage to make honest connections with others and help them on their journey because we're all so different and we bring such different things to the, to the audition room that if I know the combination to a 
an audition that I've been in the room for 17 times and you're like, what does this count again? I'm going to help you because I don't know, you might be an amazing alto singer that I just cannot do that the show needs for you. I want to support the biggest word, support others because a track is, is meant for a particular person. And if I'm not that person, great, I'm going to find another track that's right for me. The biggest thing is support. And I think that we can move in the right direction if we're just confident in ourselves and not worried about, oh no, I have to get this. I am not going to help anyone out. No, I want to help other people for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's such a beautifully unique quality about you is because a lot of people are very competitive at these auditions and everyone's fighting for, you know, the same track. Um, and they don't often help and they give you nasty looks. And I think it's starting to steer away from that because a lot of it's just not healthy for anyone's mental stability. Um, yeah, it's support, 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 support each other. Well, moving on to our topic of the episode, um, survival jobs. Mm-hmm. So this is actually something I talked about in the very first introduction episode of A Dancer's Guide. Um, so I'm really happy to be speaking to you about it now. Firstly, can you explain what survival jobs are and why they are sometimes necessary in the performing industry? I would describe it as like pure survival mode. Like I need money in between these jobs that I've worked so hard to get. I I just, I need money. Um, They help pay your bills. Like when you're not doing your dream, it needs to be a job that has flexible hours within the day. So like maybe like a really early morning shift or really late night shift because most auditions happen either 10 a.m. or 2 p.m. They need to be okay with you leaving for a couple of weeks or months at a time to fulfill that contract, again, that you've been training your whole life for because that is the most important thing. And they're also, they need to be flexible like with you coming in a little bit late because you rocked that audition and you're staying to sing, but they're like, come back at 4.30 and you're like, oh my gosh, I have to start work at 5.00 coming a little bit later, knowing that you're a performer and your life needs to be flexible. They're hard to find, but they're not impossible. Yeah, definitely. When I, I guess my survival job was working as a server um, and I literally went in for my interview and I said, I'm only available Friday, Saturday and Sunday. And that's what I told them. And I was so upfront with them. And I said, I am a professional. Oh, I want to be a professional dancer. And I have to go to auditions Monday to Thursday. And I need those days mm-hmm. off. And if I have an audition on Friday, I will get someone to cover my shift. And it was it was very, I was very open and honest with them from the start. And yeah. that's what I did. They never scheduled me, you know, anytime during the week unless I was like, all right, I need some extra money. I'll pick up a shift. That was fine. But yeah. All about that money. All about that. expensive. Pure survival mode in Manhattan. All about that money. And like you said, honesty, you have to, you just have to be honest with them. I think that's where the the disconnect is created. Dance is my first priority. Performing is my first priority. Yeah, I'll give you my best effort when I'm here, but that is, it comes before everything else. Yeah, absolutely. You have to remember that. What was your first survival job? My first survival job was a clothing boutique on the Upper West Side. Oh. I was just about to graduate from AMDA. 
um, you know, that, that lost soul moment when you're like, I'm graduating. What do I do? I was walking back from my singing lesson on 79th street, back to school on 61st. And there's a sign in the window of this small boutique that said help wanted. I don't know why I was so, I'm very confident. I don't know where it came from, but I just walked right in and I said, I saw your sign. I think I'd be a great addition to your team. Can I please speak to your manager? And jumped to right after graduation a couple weeks later I started working there they took such good care of me it was such a um well-paid clothing job and it was a family that I became really close with so I'm so thankful that I had the courage to walk into there and say you need me and I need you let's work together (laughs) yep that's fantastic oh I'm so glad that you just like was like yep going in doing it getting the job (laughs) Um, what other survival jobs have you had in the past, um, throughout your contracts? Yes. Babysitting is a big one. Um, cause I love children. I love them so much. So babysitting was always a great flexible keyword, um, job for me. I worked at the front desk of soul cycle for a long time. A lot of performers work there because the schedule is flexible. You can take class. It's, it's a, a great one. I worked at Broadway Dance Center in the clothing store for a while, which was um, great to just be in that environment. And that transitioned into working for Broadway Dance Center Group Services, which is organizing out-of-town dancers coming in for master classes or dropping classes or solo classes, which was such a great way for me to network with teachers and possible casting directors. I loved that job. Um, I'm a fitness instructor at F45. It's a high intensity workout in Manhattan and another amazing uh, job I have. Uh, I did a lot of gig work. Um, It's a huge, huge survival job um, in Manhattan for performers. It's a great way to get out that performing bug in between contracts. And they pay pretty well if you're working for the right company. In 2011, I started working for Tryon Entertainment as talent. Um, It's a high-end entertainment company that works um, solely in really upscale events like bat mitzvahs and weddings and corporate events. Um, And last year, I actually transitioned into being head of casting for the company, which was so exciting to kind of create a position for myself that I, I made kind of on my own making connections with the people in our industry that I could then connect with this company that I was so passionate about and that helped me seriously survive in Manhattan. Without this company, I don't know if I could still be living in, in New York. And I think that's um, the starting point of when I was like, no, it doesn't hurt me if I connect my colleague with this company. It helps the company. It helps me because my best friend, Brian Martin, isn't going to do the exact same thing that I do for the company. You know, he's a male, he's handsome. He can do all of the different things that I don't do. So that was a big um, step in in creating connections for me when the light bulb kind of went off. Yeah, I think it was impressive that you created your own opportunity with them. I, I know of Tryon and Many, many performers, friends of mine, have have done some of their gigs and definitely, yeah, quick, easy money Mm -hmm. most of the time. And it is fantastic. Something about, you know, a lot of survival jobs, specifically in New York, a lot of these employers know why the majority of people are in New York is to pursue some other dream. They're not really wanting to be waitresses or waiters, servers, bartenders, anything else. Um, And I kind of I feel like they had an understanding of that. And they're a bit 
they're a bit flexible with it because they know they're not going to have you forever. And so I always, I always liked that, that they were very supportive of that I had a ultimate goal definitely. beyond their walls. So Definitely. I mean, the CEO and CFO, they're married and they were both in the industry. So they understood all of those things, exactly like what you're talking about, and then created something from that with those strong beliefs in flexibility, which I think is why I'm so passionate about that company. Yeah, definitely. Well, besides what you have done, um, say for people that maybe don't like children um, as much, um, (laughs) could you provide some just additional examples um, of survival jobs that other people could possibly benefit from? Of course. Uh, Catering is a big one that my fiance does. I tried to cater once and I cried and I didn't do it again. Um, So (laughs) he caters all the time. And they're very flexible with like, they have an app where I'm available this day, I'm not available that day. Um, So that's a great survival job. Background work in television is a great one that you can just hop online to backstage or Playbill and submit yourself for that really helps. My fiance was like in a really cool featured moment of girls, which is awesome. Um, Restaurant work, like you said, um, being a host, a server, a bartender, Again, I never did any of those things, so I don't have experience in that. A lot of friends out of high school did TKTS um, in Times Square, like handing out flyers and working that booth for a lot of like tourists that came in, um, and they were really understanding about scheduling. A uh, front desk um, at a gym is a great one because most of the time you'll have access to the facility, um, which who wants to pay for a gym in Manhattan? I certainly don't. They're way too expensive. And they have partnerships with other um, studios and things like that. So it's a great way to network within having a job. Uh, A dance teacher is a good one. It's a special job for special people. But if you have a calling for it, it can definitely help out in the survival job mode because they understand the lifestyle. Um, And then I have some friends who have like actual (laughs) real jobs or like use their degree. Uh, Some friends are in real estate, like photography, headshots. Of course, that is a very special skill that not everyone has. But if you have a calling for it and you can make extra money, that's amazing. Uh, Some friends of mine are social media consultants because that's a big thing in our world. Um, Designing people's websites. Those are, again, those are like home specialty things. But if you study that in school, trying to make that like a full-time reliable gig and then auditioning on top of it. The biggest thing I could advise young dancers, if you're moving to the city or you don't know where to start for survival jobs, I wish I would have gotten into the fitness industry sooner. You know, it takes a little bit of money sometimes to get that certification in Pilates or or bar work or whatever it is. But if you spend a little bit of money in the beginning, you're going to cultivate such a great relationship with your clients, with the studio. And then you're going to like keep making more money as you go along. So I highly suggest that to younger performers starting in New York. Just invest a little bit in yourself and it'll come out in the long run for sure. Yeah. Holy crap. That was a long list. Um, <laughs> I, whilst you were saying all of that, I also thought I know some people that worked in like Broadway theaters that the bar or like ushers, <gasps> yes. stuff like that. So mm-hmm. yeah, so many things that you could do. Um I'm guessing more so with with Tryon, you've been able to go on a contract and then go back to New York and return to that survival job. Is that kind of the only company that you've been able to do that with or were there other companies? Yeah, there were definitely. I'm really lucky in the fact that a lot of my survival jobs, again, were understanding of our lifestyle. And 
understood that that came first. So I've been really, really fortunate um, that a lot of them accepted me back afterwards. And I think that just comes with honesty, like we were talking about earlier. There's one in particular that I can remember that I didn't have my job back after a contract, but that was just like purely they needed someone. It had to be filled. It wasn't like bad blood or, or anything like that. So, yeah, I know like a lot of performers have built these strong relationships with their survival job employers um, and yeah, they're able to return after a contract. There's a position ready for them, which I you know, admired from a lot of people and thought it was a great idea because it just gives you that extra bit of security right off the bat, like kind of settling back into wherever you hail from. You can kind of get back into the audition game faster actually, because you're not constantly like hustling for money. You know, the pressure of immediately booking your next contract isn't as high. And with these jobs too, you can actually learn some additional skills you can take into your future, into whatever you do, maybe after dance or after your career to help you in the long run. So I think, yeah, the main thing is to kind of remain positive about these survival jobs. They're not going to be your end game. Don't see them as a burden, just a springboard to kind of help you towards your ultimate dreams and they serve their purpose so you can pursue your own purpose. Moving on to networking. What is networking in your opinion? Networking in my opinion is a mutual benefiting relationship. Not just in you're a casting director, you can get me a job, I want to be your friend. Like that makes me feel really icky and I think we've moved past that in our industry, especially like in this world of social media. And I don't want to limit networking to what can I get from the person right now? I think it's important to know that creating that relationship is for like possible future benefit. Yeah. The word that comes to my mind is the longevity of the relationship. And Mm -hmm. and you're right, just wanting to like use someone for their, you know, what they can give you is yeah icky um I I would agree with that yeah I've always just had this it might sound really silly this very Hollywood movie image in my head of networking you know to be these really grand events and where everyone has (laughs) champagne in their hands and and they're just laughing about nonsense and maybe talk a little business basically like a great Gatsby party um you know and, and that is not (laughs) The majority of networking events are not like that. And there are just so many different ways to network. Um, Google's definition of networking actually is the action or process of interacting with others to exchange information and develop professional or social contacts. So yeah, um, things like maybe going to classes and taking aside the teacher afterwards to thank them or have a small conversation with them, inviting them for coffee maybe. Uh, trying to create a relationship, a a mentor relationship, mentor-mentee, meeting people at auditions. And and it's not just trying to meet people who are directors, choreographers, teachers, kind of above you in the hierarchy. It's meeting your fellow artists as well, you and I, and and stuff that we're doing, like this podcast, um, is influential as much as, you know, the most famous dancers in the industry. So yeah, I think those are some of the ways that you can successfully interact with others. I want to point out that there's a difference between, I think, formal networking and like informal, you know, where the formal could literally be very high-end social events to nurture those professional interactions. Yes. I just don't think there's a set way to network, though. 
I think being creative and open and making those genuine connections with people is just my advice on how to go about it, really. What ways do you personally like to network? I like to network personally on Instagram. Like, yeah, I... It, it was really intimidating at first, but it is a free platform. We all stalk each other anyways. Like, why not follow that girl that you've seen at a million auditions, tell her how fabulous she is in a direct message and be like, you know what? It's so good to connect with you. I'm so excited to like watch your journey. And I've been doing that over the past couple of months because I started following this, uh, this influencer on Instagram. Her name is Quigley and she kind of flipped my mentality about social media. And that is the main way that I'm networking at the moment, just because I'm on the road and I can't quite see people in auditions, but yeah, I'll send them a quick message. I'll send some love on their profile. I'll like, like all their pictures, but like in a genuine way, I'm not doing it to cultivate like a following or to like gain my Instagram followers. I, I'm doing it because, again, I want to genuinely make a connection with people. Just like you said, because we're going to be the people behind the table one day. We're going to be the people creating a a podcast and and starting the conversation. That informal networking, I'm trying to figure it out. And the way I'm figuring it out is through Instagram. At the moment, how cool. It's so free. Yeah. Yeah. Might as well. Yeah. Take advantage of it. Definitely. So have you have you found the power of networking uh, has benefited your career at all? Just recently, just recently, um, a friend of mine was a part of a production, the the producers in Argyle in Long Island and an equity contract opened up and they needed a girl. And um, you hear all these stories about, I did an audition and this is how I booked the job. So this is one of them. Um, And she texted me. I was at a gig. I was working. And she said, send your resume, all your things to the choreographer as soon as possible. I didn't know the choreographer. Um, I've heard of her. And I was a little nervous to submit my information to her. But I did it anyways. Again, I don't know where I get this confidence from, but I did it. Um, And the director was um, one of my teachers at AMDA. He um, directed my senior showcase. So like pulling back from that networking that I did in school and bringing it like now 10 years later to, uh, the real world. And I sent in my stuff and I got the call. It was my first equity audition. And that was the first, like the first moment of, of networking when I didn't even really know it was networking that had come full circle for me. And I'm definitely working on networking with other people. That's kind of the only way that I've seen it come back to me. And I'm excited to see more come back to me in future ways. Yeah, definitely. It's it's almost you're doing it without you knowing it. Yeah. Yeah. Your future self is going to benefit from these genuine connections that you're making with people as long as they are genuine I think yeah people will keep you in your mind definitely I just think like we build up the word networking as this super scary thing have you ever been nervous to network with people yeah it again that word is 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 nerve-wracking but I I just I just do it because (laughs) Because I'm why not? And I'm confident. I'm just going <laughs> to do it. Um, yeah, I, I, I just, I just do it. And I think the struggle for some people is like breaking that boundary of like teacher to student, or casting director to auditionee. 
it just, just go out there. If you make a fool of yourself, go home and like make yourself lemonade and like, you'll get over it. You know, that's how I feel. It's really intimidating. But I think again, just starting this conversation about how networking, we already do it mm-hmm. just to move forward and dive deeper into what we're already doing and almost like cultivate that craft of networking having your little ways that you send her a message because she's fierce on Instagram and you're like, Hey girl, I'm excited to like watch you via Instagram. Find your little ways that help you. I think will aid in it being less intimidating. Yeah, definitely. It can, it can be difficult for a lot of people. I, I think people often doubt themselves and are kind of overcome with this imposter syndrome of making themselves believe that they're not worthy of creating these professional relationships or progressing in their career, which is crazy. Um, but it, it totally happens. Um, I know I struggled with networking when I was in New York. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that like, I was so laser focused on my plan, my goals, that I didn't open myself up to the idea of utilizing the professionals I had surrounded myself with. So I really wish I would have, I guess, yeah, had a bit more confidence in myself um, when I was there. But it can be a daunting task and, and shake your confidence a little bit. How do you think we could seamlessly integrate networking into our everyday lives? It is really daunting. I think just being open to helping, helping others out. Something that comes to mind is I actually, right before this podcast, someone messaged me and they were like, Hey girl, uh, is Tryon looking for more people? Um, I would love to be a part of that. And I was just like, yeah, of course not having that weird moment of like, Oh no, I'm not going to refer you. Uh, is, is kind of maybe like a way that I am like integrating it seamlessly. Mm-hmm. And Uh, that's a tough, that's a tough one for me. Yeah, I think, I think it's just like I said, taking that pressure off of the word networking is really something that I think we can all take forward. And I know you assisted some teachers in your journey. Could you give some advice and or tips on uh, how to go from, you know, just a student in class to knowing the teacher a little bit better and then eventually becoming their assistant? The first teacher I ever assisted was Sheila Barker. She is queen and amazing um, at Broadway Dance Center. I started taking her class every single day in the professional semester. And um, I really, that's where we really cultivated a strong, strong relationship. Dance classes in New York are so expensive. So if you don't have the means to take their class all of the time, I suggest going up to that teacher at the start of class or maybe after warm up and just saying, I'm really working on picking up the combo today or I'm working on my facial expressions because I have a resting mean face or, or whatever it may be breaking down that barrier of like, I'm here and I want to get the most money out of this class. I've seen such tremendous like feedback from the teacher. Like Al Blackstone will come up to me and be like, Chris, your arm looks weird. Like, what are you doing? Like in class, you know, and, and creating that conversation with them in class so that they notice you a little bit more because you have the courage to go up to them and say that. I, f- I found it extremely helpful in, in making that connection. And then somehow the conversation will kind of go to, oh, I'm workshopping something. Can you meet me at Ripley Greer um, at 4 p.m. on Tuesday? And we'll go through this combination. I don't know what we're really going to do, but we're going to work on it together. And then it'll slowly kind of work its way forward. They've they've kind of worked that way for me. Yeah, definitely. I think that's fantastic advice of going to the teacher and 
sharing your goals with them and letting them be involved in that journey with you is such a powerful way to connect with them. So that, mm-hmm. that's fantastic. Um, something throughout my career I've realized is that, you know, teachers and choreographers and directors are people too, you know, and it's just, it's so okay to talk to them like normal people um, instead of putting them on this pedestal and not being able to get a word out because you're so nervous you know, of what they'll think. Um, so there's nothing quite like a genuine conversation with these these people that you might think are that you look up to, really. So is there anything you're pursuing that you haven't already mentioned? And what are some of your plans for the future? Um, currently at the moment, I'm planning a spectacular wedding with my fiance. And in the immediate future, like, in the next couple of months, that's kind of all I've planned. And as a performer, I've never really taken out a chunk of time to be like, I'm not going to do anything else. I'm just going to go get married. We're going to go on a honeymoon and we're going to be together, um, which is crazy. And like, we're feeling weird about doing that, but also we haven't been together. It'll be eight months when we're finally back together. Um, so I'm really looking forward to just getting married and like, being back together with my fiance. How weird. So that's what I'm that's that's what I'm saying as a dancer, right? <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. Congratulations on the on the engagement and I'm sure you're gonna have a fantastic wedding. Oh, um, thank you. Because he's he's also a performer. He is a singer actor in the business. He he understands the lifestyle and has never once said, No, don't do that contract. Don't do that because he understands need- completely. Oh girl, it's yeah. it's a it's a game changer. I don't know. Yeah, he's he's amazing. I'm so happy to marry him and and continue our our careers together yes. because it's never going to stop. I'm never going to say, "Baby, stay home and be with me and sit on the couch with me." No. Even when we have a child, we'll probably end up on tour together. Like I hope I hope we'd be so lucky to do that. Yeah. Pretty cool, pretty cool life. Um, <laughs> well, we've covered so much in this episode. I feel like we've gone through touring, survival job, social network, networking, um, all sorts. Well, would you mind sharing some of your details so uh, listeners can check out all the great things you're up to and maybe where they could buy some tickets for Aladdin? <gasps> Oh my goodness, of course. Let's connect. Let's start the conversation. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at, at Carissa Fiorello, F-I-O-R-I-L-L-O. Um, on my website, it's just carissafiorello.online. And of course, you can go online to Aladdin Broadway and get your tickets. We, Our next couple of cities are coming up. We're staying in Florida. We're going to Greenville, and Memphis. Uh, We've got a couple more months of the tour, so check it out. Awesome. Well, it's been such a pleasure to have you on the Dancer's Guide podcast, and I just thank you for sharing all of your stories. It's been wonderful. Thank you for having me. I want to like shout it from the rooftops how valuable this podcast is, and and thank you for letting me be part of your journey and, and just connecting with me. On the next episode of A Dancer's Guide, we'll discuss an important issue facing the theater community, as well as hear about talented performer Kyle Dupree's impressive career in musical theater. If you or anyone you know is interested in starting a podcast and don't know where to start, I suggest checking out Buzzsprout. Buzzsprout hosts and distributes all A Dancer's Guide podcasts, and I absolutely love how easy and effective it is when it comes to helping me share my voice with the world. Following the link in the show notes lets Buzzsprout know A Dancer's Guide sent you gets you a $20 Amazon gift card if you sign up for a paid plan and help support this show. So go check it out. You can like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram at a dancer's guide official, 
And for more information on everything A Dancer's Guide, go to our website at adancersguide.com. Always remember, stay confident, be humble. Thanks for listening. Until next time.